Welcome to the podcast, Facing the Facts, the path to gaining control, accessing power, and ultimately creating a life of abundance. I'm your host, Tony Leprino, here with a new episode, Three Deadly Mistakes Entrepreneurs Make. And this episode is for every entrepreneur who wants to make your business a profit-making machine, build more profitable business without having to lose money out the back door. So here we're going to talk about today is we are going to continue down the road with becoming your own banker with Nelson Nash. And if you haven't listened to last week's episode, this will not make any sense whatsoever. If you have not picked up the book, Becoming Your Own Banker, this will be, uh, it'll be a little bit difficult. I'm going to make it as easy as possible to understand. Uh, We're going to continue down the road inside this book. And we're going to talk about an example that he uses inside of the book on a business called the grocery store. And here's a scoop of this. So in setting up a grocery store or any business, you have to understand the business, right? And then we're going to use your imagination on this. I'm going to have to ask you to just bear with me and continue to open your mind up to the new possibility of the grocery store example that we're going to talk about. So setting up the operation and the difference between goods coming in the back door and the front door. So here's what we're going to talk about is we're going to continue this exercise in the imagination. And this is a the grocery store is a good example to use for this example, because you're both a consumer and the seller of the same thing. And there's a significant reason for this exercise. So just uh, just hang in there with me. See, the grocery store, it's easily going to meet these qualifications because everybody's a consumer of groceries, even yourself, if you're the business owner. So everyone consumes groceries and someone has to perform the distribution function. So you have really an unlimited market and everybody is a potential customer, as well as your family, and maybe some other captive customers. So When you first start out studying the grocery store business, you start to spend some time, you start to look for locations, you start to study the business, you start to go down that road, and it takes a little bit of time. And, you know, it takes time and expense to set these operations up. And I don't have one, but just using from examples and and thoughts that this is probably a pretty expensive business and you have to have quite a bit of capital to get this going. I don't know for sure, but that's just my own observation. So you start studying the grocery store business, what it's all about, all the things that are necessary to be successful as an entrepreneur in this field. And like I said, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some expense. So when you feel ready to go and you start this venture, you find a good location. See, the real estate people will understand this. It's all about location, location, location. So for such a great property, a prime property in a great location, you have to pay for it, right? You're going to pay. This is not an overnight activity either. It takes some time to research and finding the right place, going from place to place, finding the right place, finding the right location, the right town, the right setup, all that stuff. So once you find your building, you got to construct it. You got to construct this nice looking building on this property. You got to have a well arranged interior. You're going to attract equipment, fixtures, display cases, all the things that are necessary to be in competition in the grocery store business. Customers are going to do business with stores that are convenient, they look good, and they have quality merchandise, and they have low prices, right? This means it's going to be expensive. It's going to cost you a lot of money to get this thing started. So now that you've got this business in place, so we've looked at the location, we've looked at the design, now we've got to understand the difference between the front door and the back door, and you got to stock these groceries, right? You stock the groceries and the merchandise, and you're ready to go, and you open the front door, and your consumers start to come in the front door, And as they go through the store, they start filling their carts up and then they walk out the front door, pay your cashiers, and you're in business. But what has that done? What has that done now that your your consumers have come in, they bought groceries, they filled up their their carts, and they walked out the door. They leave empty spaces and display goods, right? So now you got to hire some people. 
You hire some people to stock your shelves. They go and stock the shelves and they keep the shelf stock. So every time that you sell something, you quickly replace it and fill the store. So it always looks like you take care of it, you're fully stocked, you're ready to go, you're providing a great service for your customers at really good prices. So when you do that, it keeps the consumers coming back. Because how many times have you gone into a grocery store? Maybe maybe there's a couple in your town. You go into the grocery store and it just looks dingy. It looks gross. It's not taken care of. And the shelves are partially stocked. The stuff missing. And I'm not talking like coronavirus time. Like when we're recording this, when there's more things missing, just it's a special case. But in a regular basis, it's not always the case. Some stores take better care of it. And you're more apt to go into a store on a regular basis when you know the flow of the store. You know where everything is. You know it's going to be in stock. It's just easy, it's convenient, and you're good to go. The prices are decent versus a store that's not stocked and that's dirty, that's gross, it's dungy, and uh, you're probably not going to go there very often unless it's a very special need. So all this means is that you're going to have to restock the storeroom other intervals to ensure that you have immediate access and bountiful supply of all your goods. And the objective of this whole business is to provide you with an income to build a business so you'll eventually be able to sell it to somebody and to provide you with retirement income. That's the whole goal of this whole entire business. So once you get this all set up in the operation, the difference between the back door and the front door, it's a very good living. Because if you turn the inventory enough times per year, it can turn into an amazing, amazing living. It doesn't matter if you're in the grocery store, but we're just going to use this as the example. So turning inventory, turning services, turning experiences, turning everything, the exchange of money comes in the back door. Your goods come in the back door. They go out the front door. Your service, you sell it out the front door, right? So if you sell, we're going to use a can of peas. I don't know why, but this is just what we're going to do. We're going to use a can of peas on this example. Canned peas are super gross, by the way. That doesn't really matter. So if you can sell a can of peas for 60 cents out the front door, you have to replace this can of peas at the back door at 57 cents. Pretty simple, right? I mean, if you're in business, I mean, you don't even have to be in business to understand that concept. You have to replace it for less than what you're selling it for. Because if you don't, you're not going to have a profit. So grocery stores, they're very small margins at most, most of the time. But think of how many products are inside of these stores. So in this example, you have to turn this inventory 15 times per year just to break even. 15 times just to break even. Because all the expenses that go in on the front end of the business, you have to replace, right? The land, the building, the signs, the advertising, payroll, benefits, utilities, legal fees, accounting, all the stuff that goes into building the grocery store business, you have to turn it 15 times per year just to break even. So if you turn it 17 times, you become profitable. If you turn it 20 times, you can retire early. Something really dramatic happens when you get over this hump and all it's just a small hump, right? It's a small hump, but it can be a huge revelation because think about this back in the day, We're going to use some water examples. So if you went and filled up a bucket of seawater at sea level and you heated it up to 210 degrees Fahrenheit, all you're going to have is hot water, right? Hot water. But if you heated it up just a smidgen, just a few more degrees, two more degrees to 212 degrees Fahrenheit, you have steam. You have steam, immediate steam, which is power, right? They created the steam engine. So when they were able to create, just find this little hump, just go a little bit further, They created this power, and the power is able to create steam engines, which have moved things across the country, which moved things, you know, way back in the day, it was the steam engine, right? That's how they moved goods around. 
but just the example of just even just a small amount, just a little bit extra made it that way. And that's the difference between turning 15 times per year and breaking even versus turning that can of peas 20 times and retiring early. That's the whole point of this. So very simple. You bring it in 50 cents, 57 cents, goes out the front door at 60. But here we're going to throw a loop into this. We're going to throw a little bit of a loop into this because assuming that you're a lot like me, maybe you are, if you're male, female, married, kids, and you own this grocery store, where are you going to go shopping? If you own this store yourself, where are you going to go shop? Probably going to go shop at the store that you own. I would hope so, right? Right? But here's what happens. You come in the front door. You fill your grocery cart. Now you have a choice as the family member, the friend of the business owner. What door are you going to go out? What door are you going to go out? Are you going to go out the front door or are you going to go out the back door? This point is critical because it takes a lot of honesty because which door are you going to go out? What door are you likely to go out and take the groceries, the front or the back? Some people would admit it. Some people are thinking, well, I'm just that stupid. You know, I'll just go out the back door. That's in all probability, right? So what is this? This is a very polite way of saying that you're stealing from me. You are stealing the peas, stealing the peas from me. How often do you think this happens? How often do you think this happens in retail? If you went in and met a retail store owner and said, hey, has there ever been a time where yourself or your family member or a friend came in and maybe you had uh, like a convenience store? And said, ah, you know, just hook me up with a piece of pizza. It's not a big deal. Ah, go ahead. Piece of pizza. And they don't pay the cashier. They're stealing. Right? Might sound nice, as nice gesture as a friend or as the business owner, but technically, it's a really nice, polite way of saying that you're stealing from me. So let's say, for instance, you have employees. You have this hired help that's in the grocery store, and in the grocery store, they see your family member, wife, with a cart of groceries sliding out the back door. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to steal the groceries too, right? You can predict that with certainty. 100% certainty. If they see somebody and you let them slide with it, they're going to do it too. So how common is this? Like I said, it probably, I would say it happens a lot. I know my dad used to own a convenience store. Now I was probably like nine, eight, something like that. Candy. Heck yeah. I'll just hook me up. Let me take a piece of candy. A piece of gum? Piece of pizza? No big deal, right? No big deal. Well, somebody has to pay for that. Somebody has to pay for that. Who's going to pay for it? Who's going to pay for you walk, not walking by the cashier and paying for it? The customers who go past the cashier with their goods and pay for them are the ones that are ultimately going to pay for it. It can't come from anywhere else. It's not going to come from your pocket because theft is absolutely devastating. Just consider if your wife steals one can of peas, you have to sell 20 of them to make up for that. 20 of them. So the other thing that makes owners and their family members want to go out the back door. Here's every single business has a silent partner. Who do you think it is? It's the IRS. So if your wife goes out the front door and pays the retail for the groceries, just like everybody else, then your store makes more money and they, than if she had gone out the back door, right? Pretty simple. The IRS, their picture, their posture on this is that the more money that you make, the more we take. But suppose this could happen. Suppose this could happen as a business owner is that as you make the profits from the situation here with the can of peas or the groceries or whatever, these profits of the sale of the groceries are not subject to income taxes. 
Now you've eliminated one of the incentives to go out the back door of these goods. And the only problem that remains is the human instinct to want to go out the back door privilege. The urge must be overcome. Your business is at stake. So don't go out the back door. So what does this all mean? We're talking about we're talking about a grocery store, right? You're probably like, what the hell are you talking about? Why are you talking about a stinking grocery store? I don't own a grocery store. I don't have anything like that. But what I'm talking about is I'm, I'm talking about when you get into the business of banking, when you get into business banking and you start to build your own banking system, that's what I'm talking about. That's what this whole thing is. When you build a business and you build a bank inside the infinite banking concept with dividend paying life insurance, you are essentially building your business. You do the same thing that you would do in a grocery store. You research it. You learn about it. You find a great place to buy it. And once you get it, you set it up. And then you start to stock the shelves, which is no different than stocking the shelves with cash. You start stocking your shelves with cash. And then all of a sudden, you have an opportunity to go and buy something. You buy something that is lines up with the principles of prosperity that we teach. And you go and invest inside your own business. And you find something that is going to grow your business, whether it be Maybe it's a real estate deal. Maybe it's setting up, you know, I don't know, a podcast or maybe you're investing in a course. So if you go ahead and you go in and you purchase that from your bank and use the money that's on your shelves from your bank and you go out the back door, going out the back door inside of your bank means that you are stealing your money. You're taking that money out of your policy and you're taking that money out of your bank and you're not replenishing it. That means you're stealing. Your business will fail. The business of banking will fail. If you do that, does that make sense? I know it's kind of a roundabout example, but it really, this was a pretty eye-opening process in a book for me uh, when I read it myself. And I've only been in the banking business for a couple of years now. Before I was not in the banking business, I was in the, the Wall Street business, the, the money-sucking business where all my money was being taken and robbed from me and never replenished. It was being trying to be replenished by me, but it just wasn't working. So the, Wall Street was the one that was stealing. And the broker dealers and the companies that I was connected with were the ones that were stealing. It wasn't me. Now, all of a sudden, you're in the business of banking. And if you understand the grocery store example about things coming in the back door, building your business, building your bank, stocking shelves, stocking your bank with cash versus stocking your grocery store with consumer goods, and then bringing in customers, which is investment in your own business to grow your own business. And then replenishing that stock, replenishing that cash in your own bank. That's the example. So if you understand this and you understand the, the process that we're talking about, then the infinite banking system is going to be a piece of cake to you and being your own banker and learning how to be your own banker. We're just scratching the surface on this and we're going to get more into detail with this, but I wanted to set the tone for what it looks like an example of a real life example. I hope you understand that. If you don't, that's cool. Just reach out with questions and I'll explain it, find another way to explain it in a better way. But that's the way it worked for me using the example in the book. So here's how you move forward from here is that here's another huge concept is that you finance everything that you buy. You either pay interest to somebody or you give up interest that you could have earned. This is not talked about in the typical world, typical financial planning. There's opportunity cost. And this is what opportunity cost is all about. You either pay interest to somebody or you give up interest that you could have earned. The grocery store business, this is the value of learning to get into a business in which you are the consumer of the same thing that you sell. You're the consumer in building a bank. When you build your own bank, you, you also utilize the money that's in your own business, in your own bank. And it requires extensive study of this business prior to set up. 
You don't just jump into the banking business, right? You just don't go and set up a bank. It requires capitalization. It requires money. It, re it requires extraordinary management abilities. It requires you to be diligent. It requires you to have an understanding of how the business works before you get into it. Because if you don't steal the peas, your business will flourish. You'll profit. You'll have huge profits. But if you steal the peas, your business is going to fail. I mean, I know that was a that was a pretty high level, pretty high level conversation about understanding the flow of, of business, but it really breaks down to that very simple fact that things come in at a cost and they go out as a profit. And if you steal the goods, your business would fail. So before I forget, if you're in one of these entrepreneurs and you desire this whole process and you want to and you want to learn more about it and you really just want to have the fast track to this, I'd like to invite you to go buy the book. Go buy the book. You can get it on Amazon. Becoming Your Own Banker. It's the Infinite Banking Concept. Nelson Nash. It's it's a black book. It's got yellow and red writing and it's got a safe on the front of it. So go buy the book. Read the book. Read it a couple times. Study it. Again, this could be your first this could be your first introductory session into learning. Into learning and investing in something that will bring you just an amazing concept. Again, I can't even tell you. It's hard to put into words when I saw this and when it really clicked for me. It took a few times, but it was an understanding of what was happening with my money and where it was flowing and what was going on with it. And like I said, it required an extensive study and this didn't happen. It didn't happen the first time I read it. It took me multiple times to read it. It took me multiple questions to people who were in the business. It took a lot of effort for me to understand it. But once I did it, it would just it was like a light bulb. I was like, wow, why hasn't anybody showed me this? This is just basic business. This is just basic, basic business. And it's so simple, but we make it so difficult because it's a new concept. Nobody's out there talking about it on a regular basis, so it seems really difficult. But when you were able to build my own bank, and it really was taking control of my money and just setting up that business and understanding how it works and then following the principles of prosperity, of keeping control of it, keeping the flow of it, multiplying my money, having it do more than one job of just sitting there stagnant inside of a qualified plan, not doing a damn thing other than hopefully was going to be there at 59 and a half when I maybe wanted to use it. It gave me control. It gave me an opportunity to invest inside of my business. It has given me opportunity to invest in things that I control. My education, my learning, my own business, marketing, sales, systems that has allowed me to grow and allows me to grow in a time where everybody else is pulling back pulling back inside of this coronavirus and it's not by their fault by any means. And I don't wish this upon any other business if they're struggling or if they're failing or they, they're they just not in the place where they want to be. I don't mean it that way. But what I'm understanding here inside of my own inside of my own business and my, my own studies, this is starting to pan out. It took a little bit of time. It took a couple of years. But now it's starting to pay forward. I'm starting to see that the effects of making those moves and getting out of the qualified plans and setting up and starting to build my own bank and starting to build my own business and started to put all this stuff there and just store my cash in this place and just keep storing it and storing it and storing it. And when opportunities come, they come and they're just loud and clear. They're loud and clear. And it says, yes, this is going to move you forward. Let's use what you've, you've built inside of your bank so instead of going to the small business bureau or the my local bank, I can go to my own bank and say, hey, I want to use a little bit of my money to invest in this opportunity because this opportunity is going to bring me exponential new learning and new opportunity. 
So doing that, I can push forward instead of pulling back. This turns into a profit-making machine. A profit-making machine when you learn this. And you learn the understanding of it and the basics of it. And you're not losing money out the back door. So I know this was a really long, I know this was a really long and extensive and I got a little bit, a little bit sidetracked a little inside of the grocery store example, but that's really the basics. That's really the basics. Listen to this a couple of times. If you've got questions, don't hesitate to reach out. Go buy the book. Uh, I've got no connection to it whatsoever. So I'm not trying to sell this book. I just know what it did for me. Go on to Amazon, becoming your own banker. It's, the one I have is the fifth edition, Unlock the Infinite Banking Concept, Nelson Nash. It's black. Go ahead and jump into it because this is what I'm going to cover over the next few episodes if you want to follow right along. If you have questions, don't hesitate to reach out. I really appreciate you guys joining me. I really appreciate you listening in. It really means a lot to me. So if, if you have any questions, reach out. If you like what you hear, please leave a review, write a review. It's a huge help. Have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next week and we'll talk soon. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Facing the Facts, the path to gaining control, accessing power, and ultimately creating a life of abundance. Are you an independent business owner or a real estate professional who's ever felt like you're out on this island alone, going through this journey of life and business, and there's nobody else around you experiencing the same challenges and problems that you face every single day? Have you ever felt like you just needed somebody to talk to? Somebody who got it. Somebody who has experienced the same challenges that you face. Somebody who could bring some perspective into your world. Or maybe you're tired of trying to figure this game of life out alone and you want to talk to somebody about your specific challenges and how to break free of the chaos. I want to introduce to you high performance coaching for independent business owners and real estate professionals who want to unlock their life's purpose and passion, access the power across all areas of life, including their health and their wellness, mindset and belief, relationships and family and gain control of their money so that you can create a life of prosperity and abundance and ultimately reach financial freedom. Head over to the show notes to learn more about high-performance coaching. Stay tuned for next week's episode, and thanks again for joining me.